Welcome to the Ed Milet Show, the place for winning. Period. Welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet. The gentleman to my left does not need an introduction. This is Terrell Eldorado Owens. <laughs> not my full name. Otherwise known as T.O. <laughs> to most of you out there. Right. And uh, newly elected NFL Hall of Famer T.O. So congratulations on that. Appreciate it. And welcome to the program. Appreciate it. Max Take, out, huh? Max out, exactly. Out We're going to max out the day here today. So I'm, uh, there's so much to talk about. So this guy, you know, if you don't know, Google it. But you're talking about, in my opinion, my generation, the best wide receiver in football and arguably the best player in football during that time. 153 touchdowns, almost 16,000 receiving yards. Probably the most impressive thing, I don't know if you know this or not, only put player in the history of the NFL to score a touchdown against every single team. Did you know that? I, I do know that. Yeah, but even better than that, maybe you don't know this, only player in the history of the NFL to score two touchdowns against every single team. Did you know that? Uh, I think I did. That's a yeah. real thing. You knew. <laughs> you knew. So you're talking about, I mean, in the history of football, one of the all-time greats. and. But I, don't, I actually don't think it's the most interesting thing about you. I think the most interesting thing about you that I've started to learn is how you grew up. So I want to talk a little bit about that because yeah. I don't think coming out of, this, you went to Tennessee, Chattanooga. That's yeah. not a necessarily, no offense, but that's not a wide receiver NFL powerhouse of football, right? right. So, right. and where you grew up and how you grew up, I don't think everybody would have predicted at eight years old or 10 years old or even 17 years old necessarily you would turn out to be the way that you did. So I want to talk about how you got there and what you did. So cool. how did you grow up? Like, where did you grow up? Uh, Alexander City, Alabama. Um, relatively small town. Like how small? Uh, I think 14, 15,000 people. Small, yeah. Uh, so relatively small. I mean, small. I mean, where everybody knows your name. Yeah, like right. that, Like yeah. that TV show, Cheers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody knows your business. Right. Uh, they know what's going on. Right. Uh, but our, our football team, our school, we were 6A. I mean, so we were pretty, pretty big in terms of uh, school size. In high school. In high school. But you didn't play football before high school, though, right? Uh, no, I played in junior high, but I was okay. just kind of just on the team. Um, That's crazy. Again, I was, I was really little, skinny, scrawny. Um, when I left high school, I was probably maybe right at six feet, oh, um, six foot one, and maybe 170, 75 pounds. W did you not even go back a little further? Did you start like your freshman year on varsity in high school? Um, no, I didn't. Um, I was on JV. I was on junior you varsity. You played JV. Right, junior okay. varsity. Um, then obviously, once you get past the 10th grade, you have to play on, on yeah. the varsity. So. Um, I played a number of sports from baseball, basketball, I ran track, yeah. um, obviously football. So um, I just played the sport because I was competitive. Um, just liked to play the game. Um, my, my, my junior year, yeah. um, that was when I got really got an opportunity to play. Um, I was like second to third string. So actually second string. So the receiver that, that was going to be playing that particular game on a Friday night, he ended up getting sick during the school day. And so I ended up having to start. And so my, my running back coach, uh, Coach Lasseter, came up to me. He goes, yo, Ricky's sick. Uh, he goes, you're going to have to start. You're going to have to play tonight. And so he basically gave me some encouraging words, sat at my locker. He literally said, he goes, you're going to do fine. Don't worry about anything. And he went on to say, he goes, you know what? You're going to score a touchdown tonight. Did you? And I did. You did. But so, so the third leading receiver in the history of the NFL isn't starting as a junior in high school until nor this guy. Senior, nor, nor senior year either. Are you kidding me? No. Nope. You didn't start as a senior in high no, school? That's bananas. So you obviously, wow. Like, isn't that a lesson? All you young athletes that follow me, 
hey, just because it's not where it needs to be right now doesn't mean it can't get there. And exactly. you want you entrepreneurs that are following me. Exactly. You may not be on the varsity of business yet. This is one of the all-time greats in the history. And you're talking about by that time, most guys are being recruited. They got eight, nine, ten schools coming after them. Absolutely. That's crazy. So what did you do? Just like every time you get an opportunity, you just took advantage of it? Is that what would happen? I, I did. Um, my coach, my head coach at the time, Steve Severis, um, he basically, like during the course of the school year, we have probably like a 30 to 45 minute period, what they call it, enrichment period, where we can either study other, you yeah. know, work on other subjects, kind of to help yeah. get your grades up, things of that nature. Um, I used that time to go down to lift weights. So he basically went around to, again, they sent a, uh, something around to, to all the teachers that basically said, yeah, if, if a player wants to go out, you know, if, if you guys grant him, let him get a pass to go down to the weight room or what have you. So that's literally what I did. I mm. took that those moments, those 30, 45 minutes uh, of enrichment period, yeah. um, talked nice. to the teacher, went down to the weight room, mm -hmm. and that's where I started to do put in extra work just to mm -hmm. kind of get myself bigger, faster, and stronger. Is that always a theme through the whole 15 years in the NFL? Uh, yes, that was the start of it. And yeah. so uh, my coach now, he's uh, Coach, coach Savarese, he's over the whole Alabama Athletic Association, okay. Football Association. Okay. And so these are some of the things when he left and he, he coached a couple of years at, at a couple of high schools, um, that was the message to some of his students that with me, really kind of continuing, beginning the success that I did early on in my San Francisco days, that was the story that he told those students, that I was About a kid, you. that was a kid that really, that really put in hard work. I wasn't the most athletic, yeah. I wasn't the most sought after, I wasn't the most highly recruited right. coming, out of, coming out of high school, going into college, but he always remembered during those enrichment periods, he could go down that weight room, go down that hall, he would hear somebody or weights clinking around in the weight room, mm. he knew exactly who it was. It and it was me. That's awesome. So you, that's a, like just so you know, even for me, because I, I know a lot about you, I did not know you didn't start in high school until no. your senior year. And so then you didn't get recruited by the Alabamas, the Auburns, the LSUs right either, right? Yep, I just got asked this question just a, just a few days ago. Yeah. Um, again, Auburn is 45 minutes from me. Right. Um, University of uh, Alabama, they're yeah. an hour and something away from yeah. me. Um, but again, it wasn't, it's, it's, it's not their fault. I was a late bloomer. Yep. Um, my body developed late. Yep. Um, my skill set wasn't where it needed to be to mm. even capture the attention mm. um, of some you know, of those schools of that mm. caliber. So again, you know, when I look back on my whole prof professional career and even, uh, you know, scholastically, you know, high school, college, without my desire, yeah. coupled with my dedication and my discipline, those are my three Ds. Mm. Desire, dedication, and discipline. Mm. Without those three, I wouldn't be where I am today. All these people spinning on planet Earth right now, right. you've had one of the most extraordinary lives in sports of anybody the last 20 years, right? All kinds of different yeah. things have happened. And so before we get even into college, but I wanna go back back. Right. I think behind, when I interview people and my friends that are successful, I go back when they're a little boy, so I'm talking little Terrell, oh, yeah, little yeah, yeah. Terrell, yeah. Right. right? Make sure I pronounce it correctly. Little Terrell, I go back to that little boy I wonder what was going on in that dude's life to give him this edge, this drive, this all these all these different things that make you up. Usually, there's like a great person behind him, an extraordinary person. Usually, a woman when it's a man. So for you, Absolutely. when you were this little boy, we go back to six-year-old To, eight-year-old, nine-year-old. What was your life like, and who was instrumental in it? 
Um, again, growing up in a low income, you know, type of environment. Real low income? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I lived in the projects, okay. you know what I mean? So when you think about projects, yeah. I mean, being on welfare, yes. you know, um, I know what that's like. Yeah. You know, having to stand in line to get blocks of cheese and, and bread and stuff like that. Mm. I know what that is. The yes. WIC program, Women, Infant, and Children. Yes. I'm familiar with that. Food stamps, I'm familiar, familiar. with that. Mm -hmm. um, I went through that process. Um, again, living in the projects, Again, it's if you've lived in the projects, you know what it's like. Not the best of situations. You got roaches crawling around, mm. turn on the lights, they scurry around. Mm. Dude, I I lived it. Yeah. Um, so again, my grandmother, like I said, my mom, I lived with my mom a little bit. Again, we stayed in the projects. And she had me at a very young age. Yes. My grandmother helped my mom raise not only but me, but my other siblings. Mm. Um, so when you think about the women or a woman behind, yeah. you know, that little six, eight, nine, ten-year-old Terrell. Yeah. That's who it was. It was my grandmother. What did she do for you? What was what was significant about her? Um, just the way she raised me. I mean, she was from the South. Anybody yeah. that knows anything about the '50s, '60s, um, you know, it was rough, uh, rough, mm. uh, especially for an African American. Mm. Um, she picked cotton. Wow. Her mom and dad picked cotton. So it was a generational thing. So these are some of the things that I've learned. Um, and even when she was on the phone talking to her friends, uh, I was ear hustling at that age. I, I heard some of the hardships that not only that she had to go through, but what she learned through her through her mom and her dad. I mean, she, uh, at one point through uh, out through her life, she lost track of her mom. She had no idea where she was. Um, and again, and when I got into college and a few years into uh, the National Football League. My mom tried to help find my my grandmother's mom. My gosh. Um, there was there was rumors that she was in prison and all these things and um, obviously to, to to no success. But again, these are some of the things. Again, the way that I was raised. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a product of my environment, mm -hmm. and I feel like she raised me the right way. She Not taught discipline. us. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can add that to my list of D's. Yeah. I mean, it is in there. Yeah. But discipline was a big big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, growing up in a household like that. I was under her roof. I had to buy abide by her rules. I can almost picture her. So you were <laughs> when you made it. I'm just curious. You made it. You signed. You probably had your rookie deal. But then you finally had a. You know, you get that good contract, right? You had that first contract. What was it like for her, for you? Like, was she proud of you? Like, was did her life change? Did she? What was it like for you to be able to do something for her? What would that feel like? Just because you know I want what? everybody to know, like, you have a breakthrough moment someday. Yeah. Like, what's that feel like? It changed, and she had no idea it was changing. Mm. because she was diagnosed with dementia That's right. in 96, and that was my rookie year. Mm. And anybody that knows anything about dementia and the progression and obviously Alzheimer's, in which yep. I'm, I'm an advocate for, yep. um, again, I didn't realize until I really did a lot of research and mm. I became very knowledgeable, more knowledgeable mm. about the disease, but she had no idea mm. what was going on with her, how her health was eventually going to deteriorate yeah. to where she had no idea she, she wouldn't recognize her own son, yeah. her own daughters. Yeah. Um, so again, the bond and relationship that we had mm. is so, I'm so thankful and blessed and fortunate because even throughout my 15 year career, I was able to, once she got to a point to where she couldn't walk around, my, my, my grandmother was very active. Mm. She didn't drive a car for a period of years, but she would walk all through town. That's how small our town was. I mean, mm. she would walk through town. She mm. didn't want to ride with anybody. Mm. That was her way of just exercising. Mm. But unbeknownst to her, her health was deteriorating. Yeah. And she had no idea who I became. Mm. Um, understanding you talk about the contracts. Yeah. Again, I made in one year what she probably made her entire life. Right. 
Yeah. Um, I ended up paying off her house. Awesome. She had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, but again, these are some of the things that I felt like I owed to her because sure. of some of the things that she did, not only for me, but my mom as well. Yeah. And so everything that I've done throughout my career, she's definitely been at the backbone. She's been the cornerstone. Yeah. She's been my inspiration. She's been my motivation, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of the perception um, of, that people have of me yeah. based on the media portrayal yep. uh, of some of the situations that, that have gone on yep. through my career. Yeah, and speaking of that, it's one of the things a lot of people don't really even know about with TO2 is he does a lot of work with Alzheimer's. He does a lot right. of work with people that suffer from dementia and things of that sort. And so you're talking about a guy who's put his heart, his time, and his money uh, where his mouth is on this stuff too. So I knew she was a, a significant presence absolutely. in your life and I didn't want to do an interview with you without honoring her. Oh, absolutely. And so that's why I bring that up. So anyway, you go away, you played basketball and football in college, right? I did. My yeah. And your uh, college football team wasn't a winning team either. No, we. it's funny. Um, we played 11 games a year. Yeah. So a total of 44 games my, my, my whole college career. Guess how many games that I won? How many did you win? 13. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? 13, that's it. Oh my it. gosh. So that tells you where the program was at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, from 92 to 96. Oh my and gosh. Now where they are. Right. Um, my, the, the athletic director, the chancellor at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, me leaving there, kind of putting them on the map, so to speak, they basically said, I, I've helped their program. Oh my gosh, um, of course. To, to get to where they are right now. And, I was so touched and moved three years ago when I went back for the first homecoming in like yeah. 19 years. I had no idea what kind of impact that me going to Chattanooga, sure. me having the level of success that I've, that I've had in the yeah. National Football League, what it meant to my, my, my college. I got to imagine that every single recruiting conversation they've had since the day you signed with the Niners, it became <laughs> something your name was said. And, and again, right? I'm, but like I said, I was so oblivious. Yeah from 96 being drafted with the Niners of what I was doing yeah. and what I was gonna, and, and what I became. Yeah. That, I, had, I had no idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I think there's things that guys like you do that are just unconscious. Like, I just think there's a lot of things that are great about you that you take for granted because it's you and also some of the results or impact you can have. And yeah. so- Unconscious and unknown. Yeah. Uh, there are so many great things that I've done throughout the course of my career and the media kind of, they kind of hand, hand pick and nick pick, you yeah. know, people that they want to put yeah. at the forefront and glorify. Um, I, I, I never really was fortunate enough to be one of those guys because of my personality. I think maybe it rubbed some people the wrong way because of my, my, my confidence. And that often got misconstrued with being cocky and arrogant. Yeah. Um, my grandmother we just mentioned, like, she, she would be appalled if, if I was arrogant or cocky. That's mm -hmm. not how I was raised. And yep. so for me to hear all these things mm -hmm. and for the media to portray me in this light, yeah, I, I dealt with it internally. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody wants to be frowned upon sure. or looked, uh, you know, looked down on or yep. be uh, characterized as, as being arrogant or just a mm -hmm. bad person in right. general. So I had to internalize these things. Again, yep. I was bullied. I was picked on as a, as a little kid as well. Mm -hmm. um, I had self-esteem issues. I, I didn't like being dark-skinned. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't like being skinny. Mm. Um, so a lot of these things that I that I experienced as a, as a young age, it motivated me as I as I grew up. It's stacked and stacked. I, I tell you what, man, I I appreciate how honest you are, not only throughout your career, but also even now. Just saying those things because there's yeah. a lot of guys out there that are watching this. They're insecure. They're getting bullied. Their their skin's too dark, or their skin's too light, or their eyes are a oh, certain yeah. way. They're getting bullied for. They're Dude, too heavy. I, before I knew before I knew the correct term of what being picked on mean. Yeah. 
now it's bullying. It's bullying. They you gave had, it a turn. Right, yeah, you have this yeah. campaign around bullying. Yep. Um, I'm, again, I have a guy in, in Montana, William Henry, who's, who has a program now to, to really combat and really build around like guys like myself to help promote and, and with bullying. Yeah, I hope all you young guys out there or parents who have young kids, I hope you play this part of the segment for them because he turned that into fuel for himself eventually, right? And, and in terms of you, when you played, listen, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you'd acknowledge, everyone makes mistakes in their life. They Absolutely. say something they shouldn't say. Yeah, yeah but, no doubt. But I gotta tell you, what the media loves to do, I work with a lot of athletes, and what the media loves to do is they create characters. Yeah. People aren't one dimensional. You have many dimensions to you. So once you're a character, they love to portray you a certain way, right. ask you questions that fit that narrative. Right. And then all of a sudden, most, find me an athlete who's not, find me a professional athlete who's not incredibly confident, and I will tell you, I will show you somebody who is no longer a professional athlete, right? Like, right. you have to play with immense confidence, it's not arrogance, right. you just answer stuff honestly. So, let's talk about that for the career for a second. I'm curious, because this small town guy, not a big time school, now you're in camp with the Niners, your rookie year. Okay, Jerry freaking Rice is there. Uh, yeah, probably your hero growing up, right? Got to I, I never, like I said, my grandmother's so strict. I didn't get to do a whole lot. Didn't watch a lot of TV. That's crazy. The only TV shows that I really got to watch was Wheel of Fortune. I got to watch. <laughs> I got to watch the Channel Six, Channel Twelve, Channel Twelve News. Really? And I got to watch the Cosby Show. Get out, really, for real. Yeah. But did you know who Rice was? Yeah. When you there? Uh, no, not until like my junior year in college. Oh my gosh, that's bananas. Like. You didn't junior, know who Jerry Rice was till your junior year. Junior in college. year in college, okay. I had no idea because I never followed football like that. Okay, so I never really was a football fan. So you go to camp though. I know a little bit about the history. So Jerry Rice is there. Then there's a number one pick in front of you, Stokes out of UCLA. Yeah, Wasn't he, he there got too? drafted uh, the year before, right, 1995. So yeah. they got a number one. They invest a third round pick in you, right? right? What was that like going? Did you have to earn a roster spot? Like, were you the first thing? Like, I got to make the spot? Or oh yeah, you, well absolutely. I, I again, not really knowing and being aware of what what the draft yeah. consists of yeah what it encompasses i mean i i, I thought okay you drafted you're on the team <laughs> i mean i didn't know you Did had you really? I didn't know, yeah i didn't know you had to go through uh the process of you got to make the team so <laughs> that's awesome uh again like i said that was kind of how clueless i was to, awesome, to really me playing beyond the collegiate level because yeah. i never thought that yeah. i would play beyond the collegiate level awesome uh we mentioned basketball i played three years of basketball mm. i mean the program wanted me not to play my senior year, mm. understanding that I had an opportunity to play professionally, okay. uh, football. So, okay. but I, I, my love was so great for basketball. I was like, no, I'm not gonna forego my senior year of playing basketball to, to concentrate on football when wow. that was never really on my radar. That's crazy. But yeah, I, I was drafted, war number 15 in camp. Mm. Um, my coaches, Larry Kirksey at the time, they drafted me on potential based on my physical attributes and yeah. what I could probably add to the game. Uh, they thought that I could learn under Jerry Rice, J.J. Stokes, and then I got to be there and, and saw guys like Nate Singleton. Uh, mm -hmm. These are veteran receivers, Chris Thomas, and a lot of other free agents that were on the team at yeah, the time. Yeah. So I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm number 15. I don't get an 80 number. I don't. You don't get an 80 number, a legit number, until you make the team. I didn't know that. So 15 was 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 my number okay. uh, going all the way through preseason, and I, as Un, yeah, as the preseason unfolded, you started to see the cuts break down mm. as we get closer to the season. Mm. Um, so I saw guys that I felt in my mind were better than I was. Really? They were getting cut. Mm. So I, I mean, it's it's natural, natural instinct. Okay, if you know that you're not, your skill set is not where theirs are. Yeah. You're like, okay, well I'm next. You're next. Yeah. That's the same. 
I was a realist about my abilities when I was in high school and college. Mm. I knew that there were guys that were better than me. That's crazy to hear. I knew in, in college, I knew that there were guys that were bigger, better, uh, bigger, faster, and stronger than me, mm. even in college. But that's what prompted me to get the key. Not only did I work out um, in my spare time when I was in high school, those 30, 45 minutes, yeah. I didn't go home during the summer after mm. my freshman and sophomore year of school. Okay. So I got the key from the strength and conditioning coach I did the same thing. Got the key to the weight room. Here we go. Did the same thing. I would go in. That's how I got stronger because I was in there by myself. Okay. So I had to lift off by myself. Yeah. I had to be careful because I was in there by myself. No spotting you. Nobody spotting me. So that's mm. how I got stronger. Mm. So these are some of the things that I did unbeknownst to there the go. world out there uh, in terms of how I, how, how I made it. This is so good because you outworked everybody. It's also the things you do when no one's watching. Like when you played, one of the things everyone would say, oh, his physique, his physique. Right. Now you know where this comes from. It doesn't happen overnight. That's awesome to hear. I hope everyone's hearing these lessons, business, sports, you name it. And then again, this running theme of you taking advantage of opportunity, right? right? So during that season, Rice gets hurt. That's sec my second, second, my second season. Year. Is that when you had your breakthrough was really the second yeah, season? Yeah, kind of sort of, yeah. Okay. I played sparingly yeah. you know, my, my, my rookie year. I played a lot of special teams. Yes. Um, but would you I, catch a couple passes that yeah, year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think I had my, I don't know how many yards I had. No, I think I had like four touchdowns my rookie Good. year. Um, but again, I started to kind of just familiarize myself with the playbook, okay. Steve Young, Okay. Um, just the culture of professional football in itself. Okay. And so I go in my second year, again, going into the offseason, I'm preparing myself yeah. um, just to be a vital part of value uh, to the team. Mm. And so we go into the, uh, my second season, first game, we go down to Tampa. Uh, Jerry Rice, I think he runs a reverse or something, and, and Warren Saps, I think, just beat our defensive end, mm. got him from behind, and he tears his ACL. Mm. From that point on, I mean, I get thrown into the fire. And here we go. And so that's where that preparation, you know, that I, and, and, and just me familiarizing everything that I had done my, my rookie year, leading up to my second year, mm. I was preparing myself for this moment. I love it. And if I wasn't prepared, then I wouldn't have been able to, to, to add value to the, scene, to yep. the, to the team. Yep. You see, I didn't say success because mm. I, hadn't re I hadn't, there was no level of success at that point. Wow. I was still trying to add value. value. I was trying to add value to mm. to the Jerry Rice's, to the Steve Youngs, yeah. to the J.J. Stokes, to the organization, to the team itself. Wow! So I hadn't really experienced any success at this point. I was still trying in that in that mode of proving myself mm. that I could play at the professional level. What a great distinction! So when did the? Uh, by the way, I want to tell you one thing. Just off the whole thing, I turn on a football game. It's the playoffs. It's you guys against Green Bay. The best catch I've seen in the clutch moment in a, in my entire life is that catch oh, you that, made in that, the end that zone. That says a lot. I mean, what year was that, though? 99. Okay, we're going to feed this in right here. You're going to watch this guy come across. Yeah. It's the middle, and you get obliterated and hold on to this football, right? Yeah. Like that, That's the kind of stuff about, like, you added value, added value, added value, and then it was like, oh, my God, this guy's special. It's, right. it's, it's literally like where I caught the ball, it's, like, it's equivalent to going in between two, two, two cars. Unreal. Or going into to the eye of a, of a hurricane or a tornado. tornado. So, because Steve Young, he put that pass where nobody else could catch it yeah. but me. How much time was left in the game? Uh, I think at that time when I caught it, about eight seconds yeah, left. Like eight seconds left in the game, right? So I think things like that start happening. So you took advantage of your opportunity. Then there's these special moments and you start going, wait a minute, maybe I got something here, right? Maybe I'm special. When did you have the, this guy, just so you know, this man had 20 catches in a single football game. So I'm curious, 
Did you know going into that game, like whoever the corner was that way, I'm gonna eat this dude up, or or was that just the game kind of fell no. in your direction? Well, for everybody that don't know out there, this is Jerry Rice's last home game. Okay, so I didn't know we, that. So yeah, this is Jerry Rice's last home game. We playing the Chicago Bears. Okay. Um, we go into this game uh, with the game plan and the mindset of we're trying to send this guy off into the sunset. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we're trying to send him off into something like this. Right. You know what I mean? So our first 15 plays scripted or 20 plays, they were if it was I think it was 15. Okay. I guarantee you 13, 98% of the pass plays, 13 to 14 of the play, pass plays mm. or the plays in general okay. were for Jerry. Okay. We're trying to send the greatest receiver of all time out the best way possible. Got you. But not only did we know that, yeah. but the world knew yeah. that. The Chicago Bears knew that. <laughs> right, right. The defense knew that. Yes. So they tried to prevent and they did a great job of taking him out of the game. Taking play. him away, which opened up so, place for you. What did you just mention? You segue into this by saying me taking advantage of opportunities. Yeah. So that's what I did. So Jeff Garcia, the quarterback at the time, he had to be smart going through his progression progressions, mm. yes. knowing that okay, I can't imagine what Jeff was like. We're trying to get the greatest receiver of all time. We're trying to get him off. Right. And he's so he has to be smart about the game plan, not mm. to force anything. Mm. So he goes through his progressions, and Jerry been the number one receiver. Mm. And it, you could have said that me and JJ, again, depending mm. on the receiver sets yeah. or formations, we're two and three in the progression. Yeah. So I was just basically running my routes mm. to win, to be open, yep. to be that secondary receiver mm. if Jeff goes through his one option and Jeff, Jerry's not there mm. he goes to two or he goes to three mm -hmm. I was on the re receiving end mm. of 20 of those passes 20. it's interesting this is like the most telling part of the interview just so you know because the perception of you I think sometimes is that this is and it's completely opposite I'm going to bring another example up in a minute I, I think like the ultimate team player on the field I just asked you about a record you had for a long time and you credited Jerry with it you literally yeah. just said that he created opportunities for me, right? That, like that, it really was. That's a team. That's what a team person. Actually, most team guys would not even say that. So that's incredible. And I ask you about a record you hold. And you basically give credit to Rice for moving coverage his way and opening things up for you and to, and to your quarterback, right. by the way, too. I'm curious because now you become the Jerry Rice the rest of your career. One of the things that's unique, you guys, when you're at a high level of sports, is that you know you see the records he's got, and but you have to understand something. Every football game this man went into for about a decade or more. The defense on that Monday when they got together was how do we stop 81, right? You understand the right. whole the whole structure of a, of the defense is how do we take away their best weapon? This was their best weapon. What's that like? I'm curious. Like all week, you got to be so good. You're going to face their best corner, yeah, right? right? Or or uh, they're going to slant coverage your way. You're going to get double covered right, most yeah. of the time, whatever it is. What's it like knowing a whole team is scheming against you? And how did you end up prevailing week after week after week? beating coverage like that what was that was it your was it your the ability to run the route was it your film study all of it like what was it's, it uh, just my preparation understanding yeah. um, what they're gonna give me um, understanding my coaching um, mm. them uh, helping me they were helping me perfect the craft of becoming a receiver mm. um, coming out of Chattanooga I had no idea uh, of uh, really, I wasn't faced with the level of competition sure. that I was going to be facing in the pros. So mm -hmm. I had to work on these things, you know, day in and day out after practice, mm -hmm. uh, working with my hands, working with my feet. My physical part, that was a given. I mean, I could run through a guy all day, all yeah. day. But I knew in order for me to progress and get to the level of Jerry Rice, yeah. then I had to add some tools to my toolbox. Mm -hmm. I probably I had a toolbox, but I probably had maybe two or three tools in there. Wow. You know what I mean? So I, I was I was lacking. Mm -hmm. 
So I had to add some tools to my repertoire and to my box wow. um, in order to, to really perform at the level that I knew that I could once I started to grasp what I could do on the football field. So the separator was that extra preparation, those extra tools, again. You have average, you have good, and you have great football players. Yeah. Um, and you see that there's only, uh, the, the margin of, with good and great is very, very slim. Yes. Uh, and, and what separates those guys, when you think about, in football, you think about the Jerry's, you think about the Tom Brady's, your, your Steve Young, all of a, you know, Hall of Fame caliber yeah. or talent guys. Yeah. Um, in basketball, you think about the Kobe, you think about the Michael George, you mm. think about the LeBrons yeah. and what they're doing later on in their careers yeah. is because they realize that there's something that separates them from good to go from good to great. great. Yeah. Coming out of high school, I, I, I wasn't that great coming out of high school, mm. but these guys, when you think about Kobe's, the Kevin Garnett's, the LeBrons, mm. they're, they're projected yeah. uh, to, to be great. Yes. But it'll be a big disappointment and failure if they don't exceed or live up to those expectations. Yeah. But you think about what Kobe did. He took the blueprint mm -hmm. of what Michael Jordan did. You think about what LeBron has done. Mm -hmm. Not only you can't just pinpoint and characterize him with one particular player. Right. He possesses so many abilities from yeah. all these great players that have paved the way from him. Yeah. He realizes that and he took advantage of the opportunities. Mm -hmm. So he takes the time to play 15 seasons yeah. and now you feel like you look at this guy play he can play 15 more yeah. because he's invested in himself he believes in himself yeah. and that's what I had to do too I knew that I wasn't good at that at, mm. at one point mm. I was average mm. I started from average wow. and I worked my way to good mm. and then once I saw him like okay I'm a pretty decent athlete yeah. what can I do to take me to the next level I utilize the resources around me from my personal trainer to my coaches I listened when I, when I would be on the football field and I would see Steve Young talking to Brent Jones or he would be talking to the uh, quarterback coach Matt Kavanaugh or when he, Bill Walsh may walk on the field or he's talking to Jerry Rice. These are conversations that they, they had. I was in earshot distance. Mm. I would be paying attention. Mm. So mm. if there was something that he and Steve, uh, Steve and Jerry are trying to get on the same page with, I knew that yeah, he's talking to him but I'm being taught at the same time. So I'm taking all this into, into account, into consideration, because I may be in that situation one day, and ultimately I was, because I had some big shoes to fill. Wow. I was a, I, I, honestly, I was afraid to be average. I was afraid to be good. I wanted uh -huh. to be great. I wanted to be better than good. And so mm. that's what enabled me to do the things that I did on the football field. When I saw smaller guys you know, squirt through uh, defenses, mm. how quick they were, how agile they were, I knew as a big body, in order for me to get to that level, I had to work on these things. Wow, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> maybe my one of, some of my favorite three or four minutes in the history of doing this, because this is like inside the inside of the inside of a Hall of Famer of in anything. Same is true for any of you guys in business. You get to that level where you're good, and you want to get to that level where you're being great, it's fighting for these little extra things, those extra mentors, extra conversations, extra preparation, extra tool in your toolbox to communicate or close or product or whatever the heck it is. Like, yep. it's awesome. Curious, this is a football question. Toughest corner you had to go up against in your career? Aeneas Williams. Aeneas um, was from the Cardinals. Was he yeah. the Cardinals? Yeah. Uh, first, he was yeah. with the Los, uh, the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, Rams and then Cards, right? Because we played, I was in the NFC West, so yeah. we played them mm. twice a year for my first three or four years. Mm. And so he was a big corner. Okay. I was a big receiver. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I'm sure he did film study, yeah. just like I had to do film study. And mm. guys that did film study, 
to, to try to minimize you. Like you said, yeah. they game plan. How do you stop this guy? Yes. You know, I was just a young buck, 81. How yeah. do you stop? How do you stop Except this young kid? Yeah. yeah. How do you stop this young kid? Yeah. So him being a veteran, I'm, I'm sure he studied film on mm. what I did good, what I did mm. decent. Um, what I did poorly, and he probably tried to minimize those things, eliminate those things, mm. what I did great, mm. um, good at that time. And so it was, t it was tough getting mm. off bump and run because going to a small school, yes. I, wasn't, I wasn't faced with a lot of that. Okay. So, so I, everybody probably wanted to get physical with you at the line of scrimmage, but very few guys had the capacity to do it because you were so strong, right? And, right? and, and, and thing, Williams could. Right, and the thing is, especially for him, mm. he was just my size, mm. so he could. It, there was some room for error for him to, to, to make okay. up. Okay. But if it's a smaller guy, if they mess around and they slip, I use my physicality or my quickness to get by. They know it's a wrap. <laughs> it's they a know wrap. it's a wrap. Yeah. So they didn't they, they didn't come up and impress me as much. But he was the guy that, that forced me. I'm like, man, I gotta get better because I, I can't only just I can't only just get by yeah. with getting uh, having uh, some success against these other corners. Yeah. There are gonna be other big corners in the league. They're gonna look at him like, okay, he stopped T.O. Yeah. So let me see how he did it. Wow. So I had to prepare myself for any and every situation. I, I love hearing this. The other thing about you as a player, then we'll move off this, but I want to say one thing is I think people underestimate how tough you are. First off, the best of ability is availability. You're available all the time. You just, you are durable, like LeBron. It's one of the great things about LeBron James. Nutrition. Right? Nutrition. And Taking Brady. Care of your body. Brady yeah. had the one year with his knee, but this dude plays football, right? Like he's available. It's how you rack up these numbers, right? And right. help your football team bring value. You were tough, though. And so I'm a Patriot fan. So I just want to talk about this one situation. You know what I'm going to say, right? But Super so, Bowl 39. Super Bowl 39. So this this man gets to the Super Bowl, and the truth is, a few weeks prior to that, he basically breaks his leg and has a screw in your leg. Is that not right? Yeah, I had two screws in my ankle. I tore a, a lot of the ligaments in my ankle. Okay. Um, upon the diagnosis, yeah. once I got my ear, MRI yeah. uh, the following day, yeah. um, a lot of ligaments torn. I didn't know my leg was broken till I got an X-ray because they MRI'd my whole mm. leg because I went to sleep that night and my leg was really, it was aching so bad. Not my ankle, like I yeah. iced it, yep. but I was throbbing throughout the course of the night up by my knee. Okay. And so I told uh, the radiologist, I'm like, yo, it's like my, my leg was aching throughout the course of the night. He's yep. like, all right, cool, we'll just, we'll just x-ray the whole leg or whatever okay. and see what's going on. This is one of the most underreported stories, seriously, I think in the history of the NFL, right? This man played in the Super Bowl. No one thought he was gonna play. They weren't sure to game plan for it, but no one thought he play. This man played with a recently broken leg in the Super Bowl. This is something that no one talks about. There was even a slight limp when you would watch him warm up, and then he flat early in the game. I'm watching the game, I go, oh God, Owens is gonna kill us. The only <laughs> reason, I'm not being negative about anybody, I want you to talk about playing with that injury, playing through some pain, because you had to be in some pain or some discomfort or you weren't at your best, but I'll be honest with you, I watched that Super Bowl. If they'd have continued to get you that football in that game, there would have been a different result in that football game. I remember that last couple drives you had were taking forever. I'm like, thank God it's taking forever. They're not getting the ball to T.O. They literally, if they just kept feeding you the football, they could not cover you. You were like a man on a mission in that football. I'm not that saying that because you're sitting here either. It's a standout moment for me in sports. I coach a lot of athletes. I know that you weren't at your best and you, you came into, again, the greatest opportunity of your career was this Super Bowl to shine, and you shine. And if had they won the football game, it would have been a legendary story people would tell forever because you right. played so hurt. So just talk about that game a little bit and that injury and playing with it. Your thoughts about it? Um, number one, my faith in God. Uh, I mentioned my grandmother. Uh, we didn't touch on it earlier, but yeah. she was a Christian lady. Mm. Uh, raised me in the church. Um, 
forget, she always told me about Philippians 4.13. Uh, mm. And that scripture is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My favorite scripture. Um, so, number one, I wanted to exercise my faith in God. It was more, it was bigger than the Super Bowl. I wanted to show people that if you believe in yourself, wow. you believe in God, if you believe in some higher being, and my, in my case, I believe in God, that all things are possible. When doctors, doctors excluded me, they said that there was no way. Yep. They said there was no way I would be playing in the Super Bowl. Mm in six and a half, seven weeks. At three weeks, they said, there's no way, there, there's no way he'll be walking around. Mm. But I want to defy the odds, so everything that, that, that the Super Bowl uh, encompasses, yeah. you, when you think about the magnitude, and you think about the, the end result of trying to hold that Lombardi trophy up, yeah. that never really dawned on me as I prepared. Okay. I knew what I was preparing for, but I, in order to, to, to achieve that, mm. I had, I had to get on the field to perform. Yeah. I had to be able to play in mm. order for any of that to happen. Amazing. So I just wanted to, you know, my training staff, Rick Burkholder, they were behind me 100%. They, mm. Those guys saw my preparation from the time that I got traded from, crazy. from San Francisco to, to Philly. Mm. They understood how hard I worked. They had already heard about it, but then they got to see it firsthand. Mm. I prepared myself before every practice to try to eliminate injuries mm. to, to, for the long haul. It's like going on a vacation when you got a car and you're about to go on a, go cross country. You got to make sure the nuts and bolts of the cars, the, the tires are balanced and rotated. You got to make sure everything in the hood is, 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 is ready for this road trip. Wow. So that's how I prepared for the season. Mm. So going into the Super Bowl, I prepared my rehab process from mid-December to, to, to February. Mm. I prepared myself like it was the first time that I was preparing for anything. Wow, wow. And so with that help of the training staff, I was able to do some remarkable things on that football Was it field. a game time thing, or did you know you were going to no, play I, that day? Leading up to game day, yeah. my first time practicing was Wednesday. Okay. Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty light days. So you were out seven weeks. First practice back is the Wednesday before the Super Bowl. Wednesday before the Super Bowl. Crazy, man. Um, going into it, Wednesday, it was unseasonably cold and rainy during this time of the year in yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. So that was my first practice. Yeah. So. Up until this point, I'm running around, I'm rehabbing, going through ladders, I'm doing yeah. everything, no problem. This particular day on Wednesday, it's yeah. raining, it's drizzling, it's drizzling rain, yeah. it's cold, it's about 40 degrees. I start to I start to run around and my legs started to ache. Oh my gosh. So that oh put gosh. doubt in yeah. the head coach's mind that yeah. I would be ready by Friday. Mm. And it was it was scary for me and and Rick, the trainer at the time, because he hadn't he hadn't seen me limp or do anything up until this mm -hmm. point. And I'm talking about I've, I'm doing ladders, I'm doing drills yeah. to assimilate like game type atmosphere. Okay. So now I'm I'm practicing for the first time and I start limping, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Wow. I told I told Rick after the practice, I said, Rick, don't worry about it. I said, mm. trust me, just I know you believe in me. Mm. I said, just tell Andy I will be ready by mm. Sunday. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. on Fridays when they assess injured guys, yes, for and they have to clear them, yeah, for the games. Oh boy! So they had this meeting on Friday after our practice, and Andy Reid still had doubt. Mm -hmm. Thursday was obviously better than Wednesday, mm -hmm. but he still had doubt. Mm -hmm. So I told, I said, Rick, I will be ready. I said, just believe me. Mm -hmm. He believed me. That's one thing I will say about Rick. He's now with the Kansas City Chiefs, still right there with Andy Reid. Yes. We talked today mm -hmm. like we've never, like like I'd never departed. Wow. But he knew I was going to be ready, so he had to convince Andy, Andy, he's going to be ready. And I and I and I think 
if Andy could do it all over again, yeah. he would take he would give me more opportunities on that Super Bowl 39 Sunday because I think he took the reins off a little bit. Yes. But the opportunities that were given to me yes. that day, I had nine passes to come my way. Yeah. I took advantage of the nine passes. How much you catch? Nine for 122. You had nine thrown it, nine, th nine, nine, nine thrown, targets, nine catches. Nine, yep. Now for 122 yards. And I'm gonna tell you, I watched the game. He won't say this, I will. The dominant player on the field that day, and Tommy's a friend of mine, right? And he won that Super Bowl. The dominant player on the field that day was, was T.O. He was the dominant player, and it scared me as a Patriot fan. Like, if they keep getting this man <laughs> the football, because it was one of those days where, like, you could, you've seen games like that, you've had games like that, you're like, this athlete is dominating these guys in this coverage. No matter what they moved your way, I think you could have had 25 catches that day if they'd have targeted you 25 times. And I'm not saying that because you're sitting here. I'm glad they did it, no offense, because <laughs> it, it helped them win another Super Bowl. Yeah, so. I honestly believe, like, if I had one or two more catches, that increases our chances of winning that game. And no we, we end up losing by three points, but yep. there's no consolation prize for second yeah. place. Um, it's one of the all-time gutty performances. People talk about way back in the day, Jack Youngblood played with a broken leg. You know, everybody knows that story that right, was the NFL. Right. It's one of the all-time gutty performances. The history of professional sports in the Super Bowl was T.O. in that. So just unreal career. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame in a minute. I got a question for you. Obviously, throughout your career, not everything was rosy, right? So on the field, real rosy. Not always off the field, by the way, off the field, I, I want to point out the thing about T.O. too. Barely drinks, does no drugs, never a distraction off the football field, but there was some media stuff, how they painted you, how you reacted, et cetera. What do you regret? Like, if you went back, you said, hey, I'd change this if I could. If I'm being honest, if I look back on my career on the field, I can't believe you change anything, but, right. but off the field, media related, all that kind of stuff, um, what would you say? I wouldn't, I, 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 regret is a strong word. Um, what I would don't, you change? I don't regret anything. I mean, okay. could I have gone and could I, I, I wish I could go back and change some things. Uh, if I had to change anything, it would be my communication with management. It would be my communication okay. with coaches. It would be my communication with, with players. Um, okay. But I, again, I attribute uh, the lack of communication with my upbringing. Yes. Um, because, it, like I said, I wasn't. It was socially awkward for me to to, to be involved outside of functions where I had to be included. Because again, I wasn't. In, I wasn't allowed to do any of that with my grandmother. So I was a product of my environment, my upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, as I grew up, and you know, now looking back on it, um, again, I understand. I understand that my my poor communication. Um, on every scale, it hindered me not only in my professional uh, life, but my personal life as mm. well. When you think about dating, you know, yeah. being in a relationship, what is one of the key things to, 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 to solving a lot of things is communication. Mm. Um, so again, I, I, I see where um, the lack of a father being in the household, yeah. how that hindered me a lot. Yeah. Um, when you have uh, parents or you have kids with both parents in the household, you tend to see that those are kids that are more successful. Yeah. Um, when you when you have kids that are in single, especially in urban homes, um, they seem to face a lot more adversity. Um, they're more uh, challenged mm -hmm. um, in a number of ways, yeah. and so I'm I'm no different. And mm. so, uh, as you said, I, I don't stand here, and I've never said that I was perfect right. by any means. Right. Um, it was a growth, a maturation process that I've had to go through, that a lot of people have go yeah. uh, had to go through. Uh, and it's unfortunate that people see me in a different light based on what they've heard through the media, yep. uh, what they've read. Yep. Um, obviously, as a part of the media, um, but at the end of the day, 
I always refer and I, I just I just hold on those words of, of my grandmother. Always be true to who you are. Yes. Uh, no matter what the situation, people are going to talk good and bad about you. Mm -hmm. Because if you allow that to, to manifest and get under your skin, you're not going to progress as a human being. Yeah. And so I've always felt that way. Um, always played with a chip on my shoulders. Yeah. Even uh, in every situation, when it, when it was something, uh, again, with management or coaches or a player, I didn't allow that to deter what I had to do on the football field. That's for because, sure. Because I knew that if I did that, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't playing for the right reason. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. we weren't going to benefit mm -hmm. um, understanding my level of play and what I brought to the table. Yeah. Uh, my goal was obviously to win a championship. Yes. And in order to do that, I had to be efficient on the football field. And if I let outside things and outside noise uh, affect me to where it affected my play, then where's my value? Yeah, I appreciate that. That's an honest answer, and and uh, and I do see that too. The other thing too is that I, I watched. Uh, I, all I know is I watched the guy contribute on the field, and I watch, and everyone that I know that knows you, so that actually knows you or has interacted with you, every single person tells me the same thing. He's such a good guy, so warm. Even your spirit, you just know you're a good, warm dude. Even I, I watch how you treat my guys with the cameras, every little thing like that, because some guys don't do that. The camera comes on as you know, oh, hi, you know, and they're like right, yeah. a whole different character. Yeah. Who you see sitting here is who he is right when this camera clicks off. Yeah. And I love that about you, brother. Like, I I'm, I admire you. I admire yeah. what you've become and where you come from. And it's all culminated to kind of the final couple pieces here. It's culminated, now you're on the ultimate team, Yeah. right? You're, on the, you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. So if you go back, I'm just curious, I want to know how you feel about that. You go back to this little boy, T.O., no father in the house, small town, food stamps, projects, mom's 17 when she has you. This is amazing, man. Grandma kind of raises you with mom, but grandma's the main influence. Not a great high school player until you, you know, advanced, got your opportunities. Go to a relatively unknown college, third round draft pick. When you get to the team, Jerry Rice is on the flipping <laughs> team, and there's a guy they draft the year before who's a first rounder. So that's not ideal either. Right. And then, and I'm just curious, this journey's taken you from Dallas to, to Philly to, you were in Cincinnati, Buffalo. Did I miss anywhere? Is that it? Yeah, yeah San Francisco, Philly, yeah. Dallas, Dallas, Buffalo, and, and, and Cincinnati. Buffalo. See, I kind of know my stuff, don't yeah, I? you got it. So you, you, have this, you have this journey from this little boy T.O. to this man now, and now you're about to get inducted into the, I mean, your great-great-grandchildren are going to come visit this bust of you in, at the Hall of Fame. I mean, you go down in history now, right? Like, that's amazing. Very few people have ever walked the earth end up in this group. What's that feel like for you? I'm curious. Um, are you proud of you? Do you see it as a big deal? Like, I'm curious. I, again, it just hasn't sunk in because, again, like I said, I, I, I felt like my career was incomplete. Mm. Um, this does, me getting to the, to the Hall of Fame, that doesn't really, it doesn't complete my career for me. It doesn't validate it because I yeah. know I could have done more. Yes. Uh, understanding the politics of, of the game. Mm -hmm. um, being that I was so outspoken. Mm -hmm. But you think, and you see now where we are as a country, as a society, and you think about the millennials, mm -hmm. everything that I did back then, it was frowned upon. Yes. You think about the platform, the social media platforms where these kids and everybody has a voice yeah. to be heard. Yeah. I was doing those same I know, things. I know. They, it was frowned upon, but now it's being embraced. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was ahead of my time in terms of how people viewed me, mm -hmm. um, in terms of the platform and the voice that I had. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I'm not a bad person. Mm -hmm. um, we just talked about it. Could I have done some things differently? Of course. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about character, 
Um, I'm always going to defend my character. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the Hall of Fame and what that means. The reason I've been so vocal about that is because I'm going to defend my character. Mm -hmm. My reputation is what it is. Yeah. You can ask any about, right. anybody about that. and It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. Yeah. But in terms of my character, there you go. that's what I'm going to defend because mm -hmm. my grandmother, that's, she instilled in me who I am and who people get a chance to see on an everyday, not on an everyday ba basis, but when you fend 15, 20 minutes to an hour, yeah. you get to see the essence of who Terrell is. On that football field, it's like I'm a, it's like I'm a, I'm a Marvel character. I'm a superhero. Right. I put on that uniform and I turn into somebody else. Yeah. You think about Peter Parker goes to Spider-Man, David Banner in The Incredible Hulk, Clark Kent in The Superman, Diana to, to, to Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's how I separate the two. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, being, being in the Hall of Fame, I understand it's an honor. Yeah. It's great. It's a great accomplishment. I'm hoping my kids can, 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 can one day sit and watch and, and really just hear the words that are coming out of my mouth and understand mm. who their father is, yeah. what I've had to go through, what I've had to overcome. Mm. It wasn't the worst of things, but everybody always has their path to, to success, their journey. That's why I um, wanted you on the show, because I think it's one of the most extraordinary stories. I think it's a story yeah. of like achievement, of overcoming adversity, of hope, of honesty, of hard work, of toughness, of resiliency, of performing, of taking advantage of opportunities when they put up multiple ones. Like, done start his junior year, dude gets sick, ends up becoming the NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, like, I think this journey, this story is like, I think it's just magnificent. Like, I Appreciate want, it. I want people to see it. And actions speak louder than words. Your actions are, are scream. Look at the actions. There, there's a sheet here of your records. I started to think I was going to do it. This is just, we'd be have a whole daggum interview on just this stuff right, right here, right, right? It's bananas. So I'm real, I'm, I want to say congratulations to you. Preach, thanks for that. so much. And also, thank you. how you treat people precedes you. And I want to thank you for being a humble guy, and a giving guy, and a generous guy. You can be humble, giving, generous, and still be strong and confident. Yeah. And I think people misunderstand that, and you embody yeah. it. Before we go, though, a couple things I want to make sure they can do. First off, how do they find you on social media, number one? Because I, I want them to interact with you, because this man's going to the Hall of Fame. You're about to watch him go on the next journey of his life, which is going to be extraordinary. All the philanthropic stuff you do. So how do they find you on social, first of all? at Terrell Owens and obviously Facebook uh, you can find me Facebook at TerrellOwens.com okay. uh, I have two Facebook pages I have a fan page and my personal uh, page uh, my, my personal uh, page has a photo of me with some shades on it. Okay. My my fan page has my logo, my okay. TO logo. Okay. Um, and so just to know that you're on the, the right page, um, yes. those are mine. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very social media you uh, are. active. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, okay. all of that. And the reason uh, I want at you to Terrell Owens. Yeah, at Terrell Owens. And the reason I want you guys to interact with him on there too is I've told TO this and he's starting to do a whole lot more of it too. T.O. would be an incredible speaker, those of you that run companies, to bring into your company, to have them interviewed, to have them speak, because the story itself is just extraordinary, right? And like we were talking beforehand, just so you know, people that walk the walk are unique. He could go play right now, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, and, and he may still, he may be the first person, we talked about it, you uh, never know, right. who's in the Hall of Fame, who's still playing football, if someone needs a receiver. Tell right. him right now, yet three days ago, you ran the 40. Which uh, one? I ran a 4-5. Ran a 4-5. Four, 4-5. Four, four, literally, I, I came off a plane that day. Uh, had a had a couple of meetings, yeah. Um, and then my buddy my buddy challenged me, Matthew yeah. Hatchett. Uh, okay. He played with the Vikings, okay. played with the Jets back in the day. We're good friends. He coaches at uh, uh, 
Poly High School. Okay. And he's about, we're about the same age. I think he's a year younger than me. Okay. And we're always talking about who's in better shape. And yeah. I, we got to talking. And I, he goes, what can you run to 40? And I said, dude, I can at least run a 4-4, four, 4-5. Four, four, yeah. He goes, there's no way. Right. He right. goes, T, there's no way. Yeah. I said, dude, just, and, and I haven't done anything. I haven't run a 40 in like four years. Yeah. I said, dude, I can at least run a 4-5. I said, I'm going to challenge myself to run under a 4-5. I said, 4-5 is easy. That's a given. So he was at, he, he coaches, he, he trains some kids. He was at Culver City High School. I happened to be in the area. Again, like I said, I had just got off the plane, did a couple of things. Crazy. And he's like, oh, I'm over the high school. Come over and run this 40. So mm -hmm. I, I always prepared myself. So I had some shoes in the, in the trunk. Went always down prepared. there. Always prepared. And uh, yeah, I ran, I ran it a few times and my, my, best, my best time. Both, both guys clocked Two me. Two guys clocked it. Four or five. Four or five. That's, that's awesome. By the way, you GMs that are out there watching this, just so you know, ran a four or five right off the damn plane. And so just imagine if somebody's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why I had 153 touchdowns. I was out there running scared. I literally, I was, yeah, it's so funny. You, we talk about the, the 222 pound yeah. football guy that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's running around with a lot of confidence, a lot of physical ability. Yeah. But in my mind, dude, I always still envision I felt like I was that little kid in junior high or high school wow. that's a hundred and hundred and seventy yeah. eighty pounds wow getting picked on running around that field with grown men you right. think I'm about to let Ray Lewis hit me <laughs> you think right. I'm about to let Steve Atwater hit me right. I'm out there running scared that's how I had 153 touchdowns that's so awesome man four or five with nobody chasing you and then the last <laughs> the last thing I just because he's also in the business world too my the guys who were filming this are like I've seen this super cool backpack that oh, I wanted yeah. to get, right? This like this whole new innovative thing. And you're in, and he happens to be involved in the company they were talking about. Right. So just tell him real quick, how do you pronounce it and how do they find it? I, first him. of all, I'm in the I'm in a lot of things in yeah. technology, I'm in the home decor, I'm in the fashion. Yes. You know, I try to look good. You, you do know, look that's good. part of looking, you know, yeah. staying lean. Yeah. Um, but again, when you think about uh, fashion, yeah. you know, there are so many elements to, to, to fashion, but you think about backpacks and, you know, uh, it cannot, not, backpacks are not just for school now, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You, can, you can look cool, you can look stylish. Um, again, this is a high-end type of backpack. It's a Zooks bag, go to zooksbag.com, that's X-O-O-X bag, B-A-G.com, and you'll see the style of bag that we're talking about. And it's just not just a backpack. Right, tell um, Just to put stuff in. You can yeah. put your laptop in, other items. But the cool thing about this bag is it has two detachable yes. speakers. Yes. You know, that's the technology uh, you know, aspect of the bag as well, yeah. that you can play music, Bluetooth, yeah. um, very stylish. I mean, like I said. It's awesome. I, it's like a lifestyle bag as much as it is, you right? Said it, it looks good, a, but also it's a lifestyle bag. And I just to tell you, my camera guys were talking about that. Yeah. You end up here and they're like, hey, he's like, that's my company. Yeah. So it's, exactly. it's awesome. So Pretty I'm cool. real, I'm, I got this is a great season of your life, and I'm proud of you, and I'm excited for you, and I'm grateful for today very Appreciate much. It. Thank, Thank you, you so much, T.O from yeah, being absolutely. here, brother. I Appreciate enjoyed it so much. And so, as I always tell all of you, first off, make sure you're running my two-minute drill. It's not the two-minute drill he ran. Two-minute drill is that when I make a post on Instagram, in the first two minutes, anybody makes a comment with a hashtag max out to it, you get in a drawing that day to win my gear, my books, all kinds of stuff from me. So make sure you're making comments. And when you see this interview here today, if you're watching on iTunes, give it a review. If you're on YouTube, some platform like that, make sure that you make a comment, give it a like or something like that. Hope you enjoyed today's program, everybody, and max out. God bless you. This is the Ed Milet Show, brought to you by Ass Kicking.